0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are on the dance floor. As I said, I'm happy to be back on the podcast mic with you all after a few weeks off. And thank you for all that have tuned into the first few episodes since I've been back from Europe. Uh, means an absolute lot. If you guys haven't left a review on our Spotify, Apple, or even YouTube page, uh, please do. And, and don't forget to give us a subscribe. It, it means the absolute world to us, and it's how we grow here. So thank you so much. Now, without further ado, where do I start with this man that we have on today's show? Now. The career this man has had to go on to have is nothing short of amazing, but having seen firsthand, having worked with him as, as a teenager and even as a young adult, um, this was one of the guys in my eyes that, that didn't leave an inch um, on the field and, and never left a stone unturned. He's worked so hard. He's dedicated everything to be where he is, and no doubt he's feeling all the rewards now. But the man is our Socceroo and Columbus Crew defender, Milos Degenek. Now, Milzy, how are you, brother? good
1: mate good mate first um, I want to thank you for having me on your show and I want to obviously wish wish your show and, and all you guys in, in your crew all the best and, and hope to to hope to see you guys grow over the next couple of years weeks months or however it is and then become a, a podcast like Joe Rogan's one that, that everyone <laughs> uh, obviously I wish you a lot of success with that and, and everyone and I hope uh, you guys reach your, your full potential and your level and you have a A good time doing that as well, mate.
0: What a guy. So you've already set the tone of the type of person this man is, and we're going to go into that. But uh, for those that don't know, Milos has obviously played over 35 times for the Socceroos. He's played in Serbia, Japan, Germany, Germany. uh, the Middle East as well. And obviously now uh, in Ara- America, yeah, yeah. yeah. In Saudi Arabia. So yeah. he's, he's been everywhere, but most of all we played together at the, at the AIS and in the young national team. So we do have a history, but, um, just, just naming off all those countries that you've played in at the age of 28, I mean, it's pretty unique, pretty special, bro. Yeah.
1: Look, I mean, it's pretty, like you said, it's pretty unique. It's been a, a pretty big trip around the world couple of years at every station you know and you know some players are are fortunate enough like like the totties or or casillas and and these big guys to stay at certain clubs for 10 15 20 years you know and that's that's something short of a miracle that's something amazing that's something that everyone would have loved to to have happened in their career but sometimes you just follow your heart you follow your, your your path that's i guess written for you and you have to you have to kind of go that way but um yeah, it's it's been pretty amazing. I've been everywhere, and I've still got some other moves and and things I'd like to see and do as well. And obviously, football career is not too long. Uh, can't play until I'm fifty, um, <laughs> but I'd love to play as long as I can. I've got
0: a I've got a feeling you will.
1: <laughs> oh, I'd love, I'd love to, mate. I'd love to. I'd love to be like um, King Kazu in Japan who's fifty two. <laughs> Still rolling around, so. Yeah,
0: that—that's that's got something, something, something's corrupt about that. Surely that guy's not leading the line at 55, man. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's ridiculous, bro. I think, I think he
1: gets a couple of minutes a game. But that's, still, that's, that's special, mate. Even like Ibrahimovic at 40 years of age, after like what is it, two or three knee reconstructions, is that's a specimen, mate. That's an athlete. That's that's ridiculous.
0: Just speaking on the likes of Zlatan and those people that play on in their later years. One thing you've always been good at and particularly as a kid, you you were probably the most professional um, when it came to like taking care of yourself, recovery. <laughs> what I mean, not I'm not gonna go into the lollies you ate, but like just in general, you were a very professional yeah. kid growing up. Are you still are you still that way now, even more strict than what you used to be? Yeah, mate, I
1: think I think I've I've grown into being even probably more strict.
0: Um, just
1: because of the fact that you know sport in general has become so brutal mate especially footballs become so brutal it's just like game after game after game and, and training sessions are, are intense and things like that and, you know when you get older you got to do all the little things to, to make sure your body stays ready and fit and there's there's seasons like say two two and a bit years ago I think 2018-19 season and the 19-20 season where I had was it fifty-eight or, or sixty-two game seasons? You know, and that's basically playing Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday for for a good forty odd weeks. You know, and that's just takes a toll, mate. And you just become wrecked after a while. So your ice baths, your massages, your all sorts of treatments, just sleep in general, mate. And I'm I'm a big guy on like recovery, and but like sometimes it's not just sleep. I do go for extra jogs just to make sure that my my legs and the blood flow gets going and it's uh it's it's a massive it's a massive part of the game mate and you'd know as well a lot of footballers do a lot of extra things and and sometimes even people think sometimes doing a lot more is better but sometimes just having a day off or two is is better for the body just for it to recover. I'm surprised, which I the I'm
0: surprised <laughs> you said that because I was about to call you out on it. The king of uh, like overdoing training from memory exactly, was mate. was you. But in yeah. hindsight, like that's what I'm, when I talk about, you never left the stone unturned or, you know, you never, you you, you put everything out in on the field type thing. Man, um,
1: I'm a hundred percent grateful for the fact that I used to train extra and more than everyone else. Because I, I some, somehow fell into like a, a trap of believing that when I was sleeping, there were kids that elsewhere in the world training, and that I was losing. So I just was like, "Well, while they're sleeping, I have to train to to gain on them," and just kind of wanted to train because I knew I wasn't the most technically gifted or, or the most the quickest or, or the best player in the world. But I knew that to, to achieve any certain any sort of level. Of becoming a professional footballer, you have to leave no stone unturned and you have to basically give everything you got. And I've I've trained with a lot of better players. I've been through academies, I guess, in Germany as well with a lot of better players that didn't make it. And obviously, some did, but some that haven't, that were a lot better than me. And I come out and I've been to a World Cup, you know, I've been to an Asian Cup, I've played to the national team, I've played Champions League, Europa League, you know, I've won titles, cups and things like that. And it's just because, I guess... I believed in the fact that just hard work beats talent, you know, because talent, it's a saying, but it's actually true because talent gets you to a certain point, but hard work gets you over the line and hard work gets you recognition. And, you know, that's what a lot of people respect in the football world is just the fact that you're being a professional, you're hardworking, you listen, basically a soldier, mate.
0: Yeah. Basically a modern day
1: soldier that doesn't go to war but plays football.
0: It is. And do you know what? It's like, when, especially when you would have been playing for like Red Star Belgrade, every all those games, it would have felt like you're at war as well, in a sense, I can imagine. Exactly. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it's it's something that, you know, I'm very proud of as well. Played 135, 36, not sure how many games at the club, you know, childhood club that everyone in my family loved, that I loved. And to be able to play two Champions Leagues and, and two Europa Leagues and, you know, win three or four titles, win two Cups, it's it's, uh, it's an amazing feeling, mate. And it's I guess it's a dream come true in the club football world.
0: Yeah. Well, there you go, people. He's just reeled off pretty much all the best leagues and the biggest leagues in the world that he's played in and trying to tell us that he's not talented. But I will say, Milosh technically was one of the more superior players that, from a young age always. Um, but like anyone, the combination of talent with hard work. If you didn't make it, bro, then like I would have been like, then there's no formula to make it because... Um, <laughs> Yeah, you, you <laughs> had it. you had all the right things. The only thing was it's like you want it too much at times. It was like, or maybe you just yeah. need to chill out. And that was like the message everyone at the AAS was trying to tell you. It was like, bro, you just like the days off just stop running because we did like 15Ks or had a game yesterday, and you're like, no, nah, no, nah, I'll go for a jog or a sauna and, um, and saunas you know,
1: were the saunas were the best, mate. But I'll tell you <laughs> another thing that that fuck like, <laughs> has me like I've got the fear of a scale. Right? Like you know when you step on a scale and you see your weight.
0: Yes, you and did have this.
1: I have a fear of step. I'm twenty-eight, mate, and I have a fucking fear of stepping on a scale and looking at my weight. I fucking I dread the days even now when I go to the club and I have to step on a scale. I'm not fat, right? I'm lean. I've got like, I don't know, four or five per six, four or five percent body fat, right? So I'm not fat. I'm lean. I'm fit. I can run. I'm healthy. But I fucking hate stepping on a scale. Why? So when we were at AIS, right, Gary Van Egmont, who we used to do skin folds, if you remember, wasn't oh, it? Ah, made yeah. And and once you had, like, I had like fifty five or fifty four skin folds, and the bloke made me go like six thirty in the morning for bike sessions, mate, on Thursdays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and I was just like, bro, I'm fourteen, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let a man eat, bro. Let a let a person be a kid, right? Yeah. Since then, I've had a fear of like scales and doing these body composition tests and seeing how fat you are. <laughs> Mate, that's why I hated doing I hated doing that, like, testing and all that because he just kind of put a fear in me, man.
0: Yeah. And, He's put a fear in me too, bro, because you might remember this story because I didn't really get injured much at the AIS. Like, I was kind of like you. I dedicated everything there. But I got mate, injured. And, you were,
1: while- and I was – sorry, mate. Sorry to interrupt you. Mate. Okay, I bro. Was, actually, to be really honest, mate, I was – out of all the guys there, and, and you know that I really did respect you highly, and I actually – believed and, and you did play at a, a certain level in A-League and, and I I was actually disappointed that you stopped and that you didn't want to pursue your dreams because I knew you were a mate and even now, mate, I won't lie to you, mate, even now when, when I'm in the soccer Socceroos and, and there's a fair few boys there that know you and we talk about certain guys and, and certain upbringings for us and, and the players that we played with that, that aren't playing professional, some that are. Man, a lot of, you have a lot of respect from a lot of the boys in the Socceroos and a lot of them say that you're one of the most gifted players back then, you know, and it's actually like, I know it's it's probably shit from me to say this and I know it hurts you more than, than it would hurt me or anyone else that you haven't pursued your dreams or you didn't make it to a certain level and it probably hurts you more than anyone. But it's not me being a, a bad person and like rubbing it in your face. It's just me being, you know how it is like, kind of touched because I know you could have and you should have but obviously I don't know why you didn't and and what happened obviously there's luck and there's there's certain things that you need in the football world but a lot of us have a lot of respect for you mate and a lot of us think that you you could have and should have been at a, at a very good level because we know you were especially I know mate at AIS you used to you skulls in mate going to games you remember
0: that <laughs> <laughs> hey bro i appreciate those words man they mean a lot um That's yeah look right. there's a lot there's a lot of reasons not not to dabble into it but there's a lot man a lot of moving reasons but at the end of the day one of the biggest lessons i got man and this is true and to be honest the realization was probably only a couple of years ago cuz i had a lot of injuries a lot of issues with i had like five or six coaches in my 3 years in the a league and um I got to a point where I was just traveling around the world, trialing and not getting a contract. And I, I kind of gave up in a sense, bro. Cause I was like mentally exhausted and like, cause I wanted it so bad and it wasn't working out all my identity and like feeling as a human being was like just disappearing off the field. And it was my biggest mistake I ever made. Cause I didn't realize I was 21, but I will say, bro, I met a guy. Um, I did a podcast with a guy who used to play, um, afl here and he was like one of the high draft picks and whatever he played like 20 games he never made it but now he's like got the biggest marketing independent marketing company in australia and i was like bro what's like your biggest success like he's he's a multi-millionaire now i'm like what's your biggest success to you and he's like failing at football because he goes i learned it was okay to fail and bro I because i never forgave myself for it until i heard that so um that's
1: so true mate that's so true because like it hurts, mate, and it, like I've got things in my life that hurt me. I can tell you, I can tell you twenty stories of my footballing world that could have and should have, and I think that would have been different. Like I wouldn't have been sitting here in America. I maybe would have been in, I don't know. Give it an example. Maybe Aston Villa, West Ham, or somewhere in Germany or Italy if I had the right people around me. Right, mm. so. You have to accept the fact, like like your friend said, you have to accept the fact that, that you failed and move on because if you dwell on one thing too much, mate, it just, you just get caught in a cycle, man. It just keeps going and going. Yeah, and just bro. On. Correct, And it bro. just becomes a hassle. It just becomes a hassle. It's just the same thing with everyday life, mate. And I had I had the same thing Um not long ago when, when I was playing in, in Serbia, obviously being at a club that I put in the Champions League two times, I won three, four titles, two cups, and then come into a situation where I had a legend uh, of the football world down Stankovic, who was at Inter Milan, you know, he he was our coach and to come to a club that I've given everything and then to just be kind of pushed aside mm-hmm. and then train alone, train somewhere else, and I was like, mate, you know, what, I I brought this club two Champions Leagues. I brought this club two Europa Leagues, four titles, two cups. And I'm like, do I really deserve this at 27, 26, 27? You know, I'm like, no. I'm not arrogant. I'm not a big name. But at that club, I've done something. You know, I'm not like, and it just hurts. You know, it hurts. Yeah. And I was like, well, obviously I've, I've, I haven't failed, but I have to let go and I have to accept the fact that I won't play while he's here. mm. So I, I, I did my thing and I was just went straight to the club and said, look, I can't do this because I, I didn't want to embarrass myself. Yeah. I didn't want to let the players play that maybe don't deserve to play just because he didn't take a liking to me as I was because um, I've come across a lot of coaches in the world and every coach I've come across is, is just like, oh, man, you're very professional. You never laugh. You You never have fun. You never do nothing. And I'm like... I, my fun is the 90 or 120 minutes I spend and train. That is me having fun. Me doing a tackle, me winning a header, doing a good pass, me running. That's me having fun. Maybe I don't joke. Maybe I don't have take the piss out of someone. Maybe I don't you know, put megs on someone or dribble five plays and score a goal. I don't do that. But I'll win a header, I'll tackle, I'll do this. You know what I mean? That's me having fun. And a lot of people try to calm me down and say, you got to enjoy it more, Like, But I enjoy this. This is me enjoying football. Mm. It's it's hat off to you, mate, that 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 you know and like your friend, he failed in AFL and he's become a multimillionaire in his own business. Uh I guess there's nothing stopping you from doing the same in, in your in your dreams and your aspirations of, of having a really good podcast and not just that, mate, but I see you working with the victory and there's 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 a million opportunities made in the world and the world's made like that for the people that wanna succeed and for the people that wanna work, they'll always have an opportunity, they'll always open a door somewhere for you to make money, Uh, but I kind of look at it, if you just follow the money, you will never make the money. Correct. You got to have fun, mate. You got to have fun and touching up about money. If I followed money, I probably wouldn't be sitting here right now, I probably wouldn't have a wife, I wouldn't have a daughter because in 2019, in June, July, I was in Saudi Arabia from January until July, right? And I had a very good contract uh, in Saudi Arabia. And they brought in a new prince, brought in a new coach, and the coach wanted a new Asian central defender. So they brought in a Korean central defender who's had off to him, who's one of the best central defenders I've I've played with or or come up against. Uh, Very good player. Um, And he's still at the club. When I left, he's still there. I had an offer from China Um, at the time China was peaking, right? So I had an offer $3.2 million a year uh, for three and a half years. And that's that's around what ten eleven million dollars in three and a half years easy work right and And I was like, well, if I go to China and take the money, I kind of lose myself as a person being twenty five kind of mm. like, how am I going to find a wife? How am I going to have kids? I mean, no disrespect, right? I could obviously go over and fly people in and, and have fun and and all sorts of shit, but that's not me right that's mm. that's not me and I could have done that. I would have had 10, 11 million dollars right now and probably would have had my feet up and wouldn't care about a thing in the world. But I decided to go back to Serbia to play for around five, six 600,000 euros a year and met my wife, have a baby, have a second one on the way and I'm a happy guy, right? I'm a happy person. I've still got everything I ever wanted. Mm. And the only thing I ever wanted was to have a normal family in terms of things outside of football, right? Is to have a normal family. But in terms of football is to achieve your dreams is to just play week in, week out. Mate. It doesn't matter where you play. And, you know, if I chased the money, I would have obviously been in China, uh, would have been able to take care of everyone around me, all my friends and all my family. But even this way, mate, I've still taken care of my family. I've taken care of all the people that I love, all the people that mean a lot to me. I've always helped out. You know, yourself, mate, I would have flown you in here to watch your game, mate, because I couldn't care less. You know, what? <laughs> Two, three $3,000, $5,000 dollars, You'll make that, you know. I'll make that. You'll make that in, in a week or two weeks or a day or two days. It doesn't matter. But it's about having the right people around you. And funny enough, when I say that, sorry, I'm talking just no, bro, a, lot is, a lot of different
0: topics. A lot of different
1: topics. As I'm saying, you got to have the right people around you, right? It's, you must have heard it. You guys must have heard it with Paul Pogba, right, and his brother.
0: Bro, have you seen that? What is going right, on there, deal, man? Right?
1: And I've got a I've got a teammate here who's French. So I'm like to him because he's obviously French and he looks at the media and there's always local people would know a little bit more than what me and you and anyone else would know. So I'm like, bro, is it serious? Like that his older brother is asking him for money. Like, like is he gonna really do stupid things because of money?
0: Yeah. So just and to it- t- just to touch on this to explain to people what ha- what's going on Ooh. here. So Paul Pogba has two brothers and one of them. Yes. One of them that actually both of them play professional football, but one of yeah, them, yeah, the
1: older one, <clears throat> the older one, the older one's come out
0: and, like, yeah, the oldest brother has come out on a video and said he's going to reveal all these secrets about Paul Pogba and his agent, and that there's, you know, things that he's faking injuries or he's doing match fixing and telling players what to do and all this stuff. And he's saying Paul Pogba shouldn't be idolized in the role model that he is to all these fans because exactly, of all these actions. Exactly. And he's going to reveal it all. And Paul, this is like, Absolute revelation because then you split an image and his brother's with him after the 2018 World Cup final, kissing the World Cup with Paul Pogba. So Unbelievable. we don't know what the truth what ha- is here.
1: <laughs> right? So so I asked my friend, so I'm like to this guy here, I'm like, so well, is there a story behind it? He goes, yeah, yeah, there's something has been going on for the last couple of years, right? And he's like, his brother has just been wanting a lot more money than what Paul's been giving him, right? So before Paul was married and, and had a wife and, and kids, Paul was obviously living with his brother and, and his family and you know how it is, mate. If you're single, you always, you buy a car, you buy, obviously, when you're at that level, earning, what is it, 40, 50 million a year, you buy a car, you buy them a car, you buy nice clothes, you buy them clothes, you buy a nice watch, they buy a watch. Wherever you go, they go. They're, you're in the spotlight, they're in the spotlight, you know? And, I have, and my friend told me, like, um, when Paul got married and all this, I don't know, obviously, this is true, but this is just like what he's told me, is like, Paul's like, well, look, I've got a wife, I've got two or three kids, you know, this is my family. Now, I can't be going around and giving you a couple of hundred thousand or a couple of million to do what you want. And apparently, his brother's like, his older ones, like, his younger brother really loves him. But his older ones apparently come out and said, well, why didn't your agent get me a big club if you got a big club? And Paul's like, yeah, but there's a difference between me and you, mate. You know, like, why don't I have that... <laughs> And his brother's like, why well, don't know. I haven't added this contract? And, all this and uh, like, oh listen, Paul's
0: like this is different.
1: You know what I mean? Obviously, it's 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 the most painful thing in the world, I reckon that family turns on you, right? Do
0: you know and who's like, do you know who probably has good insight on this? Is um BJ, Brennan Hamill. Because doesn't he play with the brother or the younger brother? One of the brothers yeah. is playing with him in India.
1: Yeah, the younger one. Yeah. It oh, so it's the not, it's
0: one. not the one in the film, Sen.
1: No, the, 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 the older one is the one that's that's come out and Matthias is the older one and I think BJ plays with Florentine, the younger one.
0: Yeah, 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 that's so right.
1: It's, it's, but either way, mate, it's just like if your own brother can turn on you, right, okay. if your own brother can turn on you, then there's not one person in this world that you are safe to have as like a friend or, or, or whatever. I mean obviously everyone's culture, family is different but like if if your brother's turning on you, bro, where, where are we in this world? What are we, what have we come down to? Like, mm-hmm. is, does the whole world operate on, like, how much money you have?
0: Yeah. yeah it's
1: right? It's point. not It's not about money, bro. It's about, like, it's just about being happy.
0: Yeah. I, I couldn't,
1: I honestly, I live like that, mate. I Obviously, I have a house. I've got a lovely car. I sold a lovely car. bought a new lovely car. I've got the watches. I've got the clothes. But, like, I got to a point where I was just, like, I've done everything I wanted when I was single: is the cars, houses, watches, clothes. And now I've got a family. For me, it's about like I couldn't care less, mate. If I walk around in with a Swatch watch or a Rolex, or if I walk with New Balance shoes or Balenciagas or whatever, mate. As long as my little one is going to have a roof on her head and food on the table, that for me is is the ultimate, mate. And that's happiness, right? That's for me. That's happiness, right? It's coming home after training and my little one looking at me and smiling and. My wife being happy that she's my wife, right, and not marrying me because I was a footballer, as mm. I said before. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. but marrying, but marrying me because I was an old person, and, and again touching touching on that, like when I met my wife, I was in Serbia and she was in Serbia, and I won't lie to you, and me being in Serbia was like playing at Red Star Belgrade is the biggest club in the. But you would have been,
0: you so. would have been like the biggest, like one of the biggest celebrities. That's what I'm- exactly
1: pretty much right so it was like wherever i went people oh, yeah bro, this that right so I, I met my wife right we went for a walk it was late at night and um she didn't want to actually meet me so <laughs> it was it was a funny story it, right? of
0: your story of your teenage years there
1: <laughs> bro literally i was
0: the ugliest human being when i was, I was like, no you just shy um, bro <laughs>
1: I actually was shy and um, I just really, I kissed a girl. First time I kissed a girl, I was 18, mate.
0: So I was- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you, you would have turned down a date back at 18 to go for a run in a sauna with like three layers Always, of coats mate. on. That's I'm Always, not, li- I swear to God, I'm not lying here. That's 100% the truth. <laughs> you know it too. 100% the truth.
1: <laughs> That yeah. is 100 percent the truth. <laughs> so I met so I met my wife, right? And she's we've gone around for a walk and, and blah blah blah. And then um when they're going to a restaurant and like these people come around take a photo with me. Uh one, two, three, five, ten people, right? Then the the waiter's like, Oh, how's things? How's the game? How's everything? Like, you know, just being nice. And, and my wife's looking at me. Well, at that time, my girlfriend, right? She's looking at me, she's like, oh. Well, who are you, right? And I'm like, I don't know, obviously, I'm not going to run around with the sign on my, in my hand saying, I'm a professional footballer. If you want to be with me, you know, hit me up, whatever, you know. So, mm. my wife, so we finished, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and my wife's like, why are these people taking photos with you?
0: She didn't was, know who know you either. were. You're joking. Then
1: I got honest truth, mate.
0: Wow. And she had not
1: a single clue who I was. And I was like, oh, I just play football. And she's like, well, why do people want to take photos with football players? What's so special about that? And I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. That's I, music I, I to
0: my take, ears. <laughs>
1: I, I was like, I was like, I don't know why. Why do they want to take photos? I don't know. Maybe they love the club or whatever. And we just kept dating and dating and she just didn't didn't understand. I took her to a game. It was about fifty five, sixty thousand 60,000 people. Took her to a game, right? She was like, why is there so many people going to a football game? Like, all you guys do is run for 90 minutes. Why are they watching the game? <laughs> It took her a good, honest, like good six to eight months to realize that football is like the second biggest thing in the world. Yeah, Yeah, it's like, it's the second biggest thing in the world, right? You had COVID and then the first thing you had apart from COVID was everyone was like, oh my God, what's going to happen with the football world? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like we were the only ones that continued playing without fans or, you know, like it just had to keep going. Mm. She was like, wow, I didn't know that this was this big. But then I was lucky that I didn't meet one that just really liked me because of the money. Oh, well, bro, that, that would, would be, not- it'd be hard.
0: You know what? You've said a lot of valuable things in that. Like, it would have been extremely hard to turn down a major offer from China. And for people that don't understand Saudi Arabian football, just like think of like the live golf um, setup that's going on now, the money, that the types of money they're throwing at those golfers to kind of create this rebel yeah. golf. League. That kind of gives you an insight of how much money's in the Saudi Arabian Football League as well. Um, it is
1: ridiculous. Like, yeah. I was touch up on this like I was with Sebastian Jovinko and everyone probably in the world of football would know this 9.7 million a year I think he was on
0: is that wow that's insane that's insane that's like
1: that is like like what do you do, bro? Like what do you do with that much money? <laughs> that's he why,
0: he left, that's like, why he left. That's why he left City, right? Like mid twenties or whatever, or wherever he was, because he's just getting so much coin thrown at him. But this comes to your point, right? You kind of essentially say turned turned down an offer like that to follow a more yeah. true path to yourself in football. Which, man, I defy anyone to be in your shoes and and turn that shit down, you know? Because it's life changing in hard. a sense.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard. hard. It's definitely hard, mate. Because like, there's even things now that I look at and I'm like. Well, if I took that off, I would have maybe bought this car, I would have bought that house, or maybe I would have helped this person. Or I would have helped this person, you know. And like, but then I sit back and I'm like, well, mate, if someone asked me 15 years ago whether I want to be in this situation I'm in now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, and I think I would have taken it. Playing professional football, playing for your country, you know, just being being a normal person, being open hearted, and just being normal, you know, that's that's normal.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, we're just gonna take a quick pause in this episode, which I hope you're enjoying to acknowledge our partners. Now, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Now, none of us like having sweaty sacks and the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, have actually spent two years designing some pretty cool boxer briefs. Now, I have had the opportunity of wearing these boxer brief, and they are some of the softest and most comfortable fabric that I have ever wore in any underwear. I do support uh, what they do from a holistic part of their products. I've used a lot of their products and they are fantastic. But their new boxer brief, specifically, they actually give you gills on your groins so they're breathable. So I implore you to get out there, use our discount code to, to start purchasing them. Uh, you'll get 20% off plus free worldwide shipping with the discount code UNLACED on manscaped.com. That's unlaced at manscape.com for 20% off and worldwide free shipping. So get some Boxer Brief and some other product while you're at it. Let's get back into the episode. Now, I want to I wanna ask you about uh, Columbus Crew and Major League Soccer. So... One, obviously a pretty unique move, right? Because you yeah. just played in Europe you've, and we'll touch on like some of the Champions League experience, but you've been to a World Cup, you played in Europe, you're 28. One, what was the reason why you chose Columbus Crew? And then secondly, like what's what's your view of the league now that you've sort of played half a season or three quarters of a season there?
1: Obviously in January, I terminated my contract because of certain, certain reasons that, that I had and, and whatever. And then I had offers to stay in Europe. I had offers to stay in Europe. I had offers to go to Korea. And then, mate, to be honest, when I sat down and had a, like a Zoom meeting with the coach here, uh, with the general manager, uh, the scout, and, and my agent, mate, I can, I'll can i send you this on, on, on Instagram or WhatsApp. I'll send you the video that I got sent. And, mate, it's the video of the training center, the new stadium, the facilities they have, the way they work, and just – I bought into the the idea that this is so professional and this is it's just a unbelievable working like environment. Like for footballers, it's a, it's an unreal environment, Jake. Like you won't you won't believe it, mate. Really? Obviously obviously being in England, uh, you've been in England, you've maybe been to some clubs and their training centres, they look unreal. Um, and we see some on TV and but this is mate, this is like world class training facilities. Um uh, It's unreal. And I was just like, mate, I want to go somewhere where I'm going to be respected. I want to go somewhere where it's going to give me the best chance to improve my game. Like, it might sound funny. Like, why would you go to America to improve your game? But why not, mate? Like, uh, if America does anything in the world, they do it to be the best in the world, no? Correct. (laughs) NBA, they do. They're the best in the world, right? Um, They do music, the best in the world. They do movies, the best in the world. They do... I don't know, sending spaceships in the world. <laughs> NASA things, they're the best in the world. Internet, they invented. Computers, they invented. Like, You know what I mean? Like, If they start something, they're going to do it, but they're doing it with an end goal to be the best in the world at it. Mm. Obviously, to be the best in the world in football, is it's a long process. It's not going to be like, oh, well, they're going to win the World Cup in four years when they host it. No, maybe, but…
0: Gee, they are good, shot. though. They are a very good team, though.
1: They are a good team. They mm. are a good team. It is mm. a long shot, but the thing is like… The game here is on absolute rise, mate. Like Mm. you don't have Insigne, Bernadeschi, Bale, Killini. These players here, just for the money and for the life. It's mate. They love it. Like the game's really good, and you get players like over the last, I think, three or four transfer windows. The MLS has sold an unbelievable amount of players. Like, and I'm not saying sold players for a couple hundred thousand. Like, I'm saying sold players to Chelsea, sold players to AZ Alkmaar, sold players to Bayern Munich. You know what I mean? Like
0: it's massive. It's,
1: it's massive, bro. It's watched. Like all the clubs have stadiums that are football-based stadiums, 30000 thirty thousand-seater stadiums. Training facilities, unreal. Um, the league sponsored by Adidas. Everyone's got Adidas gear. It's not like the pitches are immaculate. It's not like you go. Oh, I'm gonna go to a, to a, some village and play a game, or I'm gonna go over here and play it. Mate, every game is. It's it's televised. It's it's like advertised the, the, the players the top notch mate and it's really really good and here you have a lot of technically gifted players and the league's really quick really open like you know a lot of leagues in the world it's like 1-0 2-1 1-0 1-1 here if a game can finish 5-4 it's going to finish 5-4 yeah like it's so open and here a lot of games are decided in the last 15 minutes like i've had a game like the second game of the season winning 3-1 in the 89th minute we ended up drawing 3-3 bro like I was, I, just realize, about, is- I was just
0: about to say, no one's really safe in that last 10 minutes, are they? Because the amount of no. goals that I see scored and like all these thrilling comebacks, they always seem to be hovering around the MLS. So it's <laughs> yeah. funny you say that. <laughs> it's the best,
1: mate. And that's why it's so fun to play. That's why the people love it, man. I think uh, I honestly do like uh, the FIFA president Gianni Infantino said that he thinks that football will be the number one sport in the US in the next couple of years. And I honestly think it will and i honestly think it will because it's growing so much and, and the league's growing and it's just so good mate like i would i would recommend it to to everyone to come out like it's it's not an easy place to come into because they won't take obviously if you're a killing sergio ramos you've got the name but they're not going to want to take a 35 34 year old who's i don't know played the second league somewhere just because they think it's the mls or they're going to want to take me No, nah, mate it's you have to be right. really good quality yeah and that's why I love it and I, and I, I really enjoy it, mate. And, and the guys in the change room, second to none, mate. Guys yeah. are unreal. Like teammates are, are really good people. The club's really good. They, they help you with everything, mate. And it's, uh, it's a good environment.
0: Mate, well, it's awesome. You've start you've started off well. You're playing consistently, so I know you'll be happy. But um, yeah. But just just on just on that quickly, you mentioned some of the names that are attracting to the league. Like obviously yep. Gareth Bale coming, even the big ones like Wayne Rooney's come back to coach. You've got Chiellini, yes. you got Vella, and there's all these players. Like Vella's been this well and truly into his prime. Giovinco came yep. quite young. Um, yep. You know, it's just that it seems, here. yeah, Chicharito's here too. Like I mean,
1: even 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 the, the move um, last week where Ricky Ricky Pooch from from yeah, Barcelona, Barca. like you think, an 18, 19 year old from from Barcelona's academy to come to the LA Galaxy is like, well, could he not have gone to Valencia, Villarreal, or West Ham or somewhere? You know, like he decides to come here because obviously they're doing something right. Mm. You know what I mean? Like it's it's massive, mate. It's massive, and I think like. It, that grows the league as well. The fact that these guys are here, the league's growing, and it's just become more attractive. And like, from what I've heard, Messi's gonna gonna come here in the, in the future, and Neymar wants to come here, Pogba wants to come here. You know, like it's Inter- gonna be it's gonna be shambles.
0: Into I forgot to mention into Miami too. They're gonna be loaded with some of those players. They have got Higuain oh, and, and Matuidi and everyone like that. I mean, there's gonna be a loaded team eventually. That team is.
1: Yeah, that team is the one that's probably going to have like the messiest Pogba's, and all that just a lavish lifestyle. <laughs> yeah, being, bro. Being dead, dead. Obviously, um, <laughs> that's the perks of being in a in a brilliant like I guess in a in a very popular and modern city and having beaches and all that. But the city I'm in, mean, Columbus, mate. It's uh, it's a smaller city, but it's it's what I like. Very nature orientated, family orientated city. Very calm, no traffic, mate. Like from one end to the other end of the town, fifteen twenty minutes. Easy. You go to LA. You go to New York. LA is like five hour flight. New York's an hour and a half hour flight. But once you get to New York, to get from A to B, it takes you like two hours, bro. Like you got mm. a massive wave traffic, a lot of people. That's why being in smaller cities, uh, you have an advantage because you still have everything here you want. But it's just a lot easier to travel, move around, and everything.
0: Well. Man, it's pretty inspiring to see how you're going now. But more inspiring for me is watching you play for the Socceroos, because um, one of the one of the interesting things that a lot of people don't know about uh, about you, and this is kind of going back to the AIS days, is that you played for the Joeys or the Under Seventeens at the at the World Cup. And in then, Mexico, kind of, yep. yeah, in Mexico, which you know, uh, that was an unbelievable tournament, and we must give our respects to Dylan Tombides, um former yes. team out of both of ours. And I actually played in his yeah. exhibition exhibition game for um, testicular cancer a, a few months ago. Who was an absolute superstar and revelation at that World Cup, but Millish was also a big a big feature at that World Cup as well. Um, but but not probably- really. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, no, but no, no, not- I, got- I tried to pop you to up, the bro. Cameos, <laughs> not got to do the cameos and.
1: Ended up, uh, no, nah, mate, look, it's honest, bro. Thank you for the nice words, though, but um, I had a, I had a funny stint there. It was funny. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I, re- I remember. I remember. I remember oh, oh, sorry that I interrupted you, mate. I'll let you go, continue. But go, Go, go. Because I remember coming back from Mexico and I remember, I'm not sure if he's still alive, Ron Corey, the goalkeeper coach. Of
0: <laughs> oh, shout out Ron Corey for years. We love him. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Tell me, tell me. Go, what did he say to you? He would have given you shit knowing Ron. Yes,
1: I mean, oh, he was giving me shit, right? So, good guy. No, honestly, good guy. No, but if
0: Ron was giving – if Ron wasn't giving you shit, he didn't like you. If he was giving you shit, then he liked you. That's what I – that's how yeah. I kind of gauged him.
1: So, we came back to, to Sydney, right? And, and Ron's like – because I, I didn't play. I played two times 20 minutes. I'm not sure. And I remember – Jan line who was the coach who was just don't really have I mean like different people, different opinions but a good guy obviously, good coach maybe and, and all that but I just didn't really, I guess we didn't find find our Connection. rhythm together <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly mate and, and I remember playing the, around the 16th of that World Cup and him playing Corey Brown a left fullback, playing central midfield right, and me sitting on the bench. And I was playing the right fullback, left back, playing the right back, right back, and then playing the left fullback, central midfield, and me sitting on the bench. And I was just like, "You fucking, are you serious?" Yeah. Anyway, I remember being upset. Obviously, being 16 years old, you're going to be upset, right? I got. Oh man, it's life
0: or death and... back then, isn't it? Like you don't you don't yeah. see beyond that World Cup. You think this is like the, the this it. is the biggest thing ever, you know?
1: Exactly. This is my one and only chance to make something out of myself. Yeah, you take I it everything
0: to it. heart, bro.
1: Yeah. So, I got back to Sydney and Ron Corey was like, because I was upset, right? I, never, I didn't say anything to anyone, right? <laughs> and I was just really upset. And Ron, because everyone was wearing like a, I don't know, like a blue T-shirt. I think that's uh, Joey's one. And I wore like a, a different one that's also part of the Joey's gear, but it was just a different colored one. It was a more relaxed one because we were on a uh, like 15, 15 an hour flight, right? I can see like, where this is going. And I thought, because of your fucking attitude, this is the last time you'll ever play for this country. This is the last time you'll ever put on an Australian shirt. This is your last trip ever. You will never get to see this country, you'll never get to play for this country again. And I was just like, bro, I'm 16. Relax your balls, brother.
0: <laughs> you would have said that too. <laughs> I was just like, no, relax, right? So, uh, oh, funny that, because fast, the- fast, fast forward, you're about to go to your second World Cup for the Socceroos, which yeah, is bro, and, and more, and than, more like, than most.
1: Yeah, and I was like, you know, when I got my first ever call-up for the, for, the for the Socceroos with Ange with Postecoglou. Mate, I was like I was looking everywhere to find Ron Corey's number. Oh
0: bro. It was like, yeah. This was like six,
1: seven years ago and I never found his number and never I couldn't get in touch with him. I couldn't care less. Than it's now. funny, it's know. funny, it's funny
0: how though like little things like that, right? Like but coaches maybe at the time, whether they realise it or they don't care, shit like that stays with you forever. Like that tip oh, yeah. on your shoulder, I still remember stuff, man. That like stuff happened where Harm Berger said if I didn't come to a camp because I was finally playing, like finally in the starting eleven at Adelaide, which took forever to get into because of the midfield. Yeah, as soon as I got in, there was a like a. It was a no-purpose camp. It was just like to fill a gap, bit of preparation, but it was no tournament, not for points. And I tried not to go, and he said, you'll never play for the so- uh, Young soccerers again if you don't come. And I was like, bro, like, what the fuck?
1: Yeah, but you can't do that. Like, that's that's just bad. You can't do that. You can't put a, a player in a situation where he's playing his club football, and you're like, well, if you don't come, you're never going to be called up again. Like... Bro, what do you mean I'm never going to call up it? You could be at the helm, like a, a, a football director in Australia for two years. You could be fucked off, and the next guy could be coming in and be like, well, Jake is the guy I want. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing that, that puts me off so much about. Not not in Australia, but anywhere in the world of football. It's just like you have these, these coaches and these sporting directors or, or just people in charge who think they know a lot more than, than they should. Mm. And you can yeah. never you can never tell a 14, 15, 16-year-old that he's never gonna make it. You can never tell you can never tell a 22 year old he's never gonna be a professional footballer. Yeah. You can't. Yeah. You can't, mate. You look at look at like Kante, look at the Chelsea goalkeeper Mendy. At twenty four, twenty five, they're playing like third, fourth league in in, in France.
0: France. Yeah,
1: you can't say they're not going to make it, mate. Now one's one of the best goalkeepers in the world. The other one's the best holding midfield in the world.
0: Like, yeah. it's
1: it's never too late, bro. Like I get goosebumps now. It's never too late. Like I say, it's probably too late for me to play for Real Madrid. Yes.
0: Oh <laughs> you one world cup away, brother. <laughs> yeah. It's like one well,
1: world well, cup away, three games, four goals, you've got to <laughs> keep three clean sheets and, you know, Hey, I mean, like it's not that hard. <laughs> you <laughs> never know, bro, Anything, you never know. Anything's possible. But uh, I'm just saying like, that's that's what drives me crazy is like the fact that people put a limit on you. From a very young age, and that's just like fucking annoying,
0: man. Yeah, well, but, this might this might explain sort of the next phase of this because uh, a lot of people don't know. After the Ais, you went to um, you went to the Germany, and you're playing in an academy yeah. there, which was one of the. I think what, what was the club called again?
1: Uh, Stuttgart. Stuttgart, yeah, oh, Stuttgart.
0: Oh, Stuttgart. Yeah, sorry, because you played yeah. you played actually senior football there as well. Um, yes. But obviously, Stuttgart's one of the biggest clubs in. In, uh, in Germany. And I remember at the time, I was like, I think there was a couple of under 20 squads. It was like all of a sudden being in the pot of the pool of Australian players, you go overseas Hmm. and all of a sudden it was like you were cast out for some reason. I was like, fuck man, Stuttgart's not like, it's a big deal. Um, Even even though you're playing through the youth ranks or whatever the youth setup or the under 19s, whatever it may be. But there was a period where you actually, and I know you're super proud and you got a lot of pride around your Serbian heritage, but you actually experienced playing for Serbia as a kid as well, which a lot of people don't really know.
1: You're right. You know, as you said, you know, when, you, when I went overseas, it was like being outcasted from a national team. It was like, oh, he doesn't want to be a part of it. But I don't think that's right. Back then, like, what is it, 14, 15 years ago, they had kind of the feeling that whoever left the AIS or whoever left the A-League system didn't want to be a part of it. And I was like, well, why are you going to Europe? It wasn't like, it wasn't me going to Europe because I didn't rate Australia. It was me going to Europe because I thought I could maybe achieve something, you know, I could maybe make it as a professional footballer in Europe where it's a lot harder to do. And I remember a lot of those camps. I never got invited. I didn't go to the under twenties World Cup. Um I think you went to the Under Twenties World Cup or did you not go?
0: No, I went to the I went to the one where I was 18, 17 or eighteen, and I didn't make the one where I should have gone. But exactly. I, yeah, so yeah.
1: I know a lot of I know a lot of boys like Musty went, Terry went, um a lot of the guys that were with us now, Jamie, Jamie went like
0: Jamie yeah.
1: yeah, Connor Chapman, Jamie, Paul Izzo, I think, like Lawrence, the goalkeeper, and, and all that. But um Yeah, I was just like surprised, you know, I never got selected. But then Serbia come come calling and we're like, Well, are you interested to to play for our under nineteens? And I was like, Well, why not? You know, I'm I'm getting the chance. And I ended up playing, I think I was like seven or eight games for the under under nineteens, and then I had an issue with my passport because I hadn't lived in Serbia for longer than five years. And UEFA would not accept uh, me being a full Serbian international because I hadn't lived in Serbia for five years. I lived in Yugoslavia, but I didn't live in Serbia as an independent state, independent country. So I had an issue there, and then that came to an end. Well, good that it came to an end because I ended up playing for the Socceroos. Um, When that came to an end, you know, I just basically played club football for a while and then I remember being called by Paul Ocon to come to a young Socceroos, Olyroos, sorry, Olyroos camp. Yeah. Um, And this was after me being two years in Europe, three years in Europe, and me not seeing my mum for about two and a half years and my dad and, and no one. And Paul's like, well, come, we've got a friendly camp in Thailand. It's two weeks, it's two games. And I was like... I'm willing to come, but like if it's just a friendly camp and you just are having a look into a lot of the players who are playing in Europe, I was like, Well, mate, I haven't had a rest for about two and a half years, I haven't seen my parents, you know, I'm gonna stay in, in, in Europe and, and just be on be on a, a two, three week break with my mum and dad. I haven't seen I'm, I'm a fucking seventeen, eighteen year old, you know, I miss my parents. I left home when I was fourteen, the same like you, bro, like we haven't had the childhood where we had mum to make us an and sandwich or dad to go play catch with us, you know what I mean? Like we had a different life. We had a different childhood. We had a fucking completely different life. And Paul Logan's like, Well, if you don't come, you're never gonna be again, you're never gonna be yeah. selected in Stand. the squads. And I was like I was like, Well, if that's the case, mate, then that's that's your loss, you know, that's that's the way it is, it is and I'm I'm happy to accept that and I'm happy to to accept that to see my parents, you know, and that's the way it is and I ended up not going I didn't get selected into Oli um Oli um Olympic team um, and then I think Vidmar uh, not Tony Vidmar Aurelio Vidmar was the coach after that for
0: that's right you was it
1: yeah I think he was the coach for a generation after that and he called me and I went in to play two games really respectful really good guy had yeah. um, had a good had a good time with him and and you know, I loved it. And then after that, I think two years or a year after that, I got called by Ange into the Socceroos, which was the most amazing feeling in the world, man. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was a joke. I had a message from you probably knowing Joel Frame.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a, Is Joel Frame the one that puts out the messages?
1: Yeah, so Joel was the team manager back then. Yeah. And Joel's like, hit me up with a text like, oh, you know, you've been selected in the squad. And i like... Fuck a joke. I haven't heard from you for about five years. We, yeah. What are you doing like? <laughs> <laughs> Send me a message. And um, yeah, I got called in. It was a friendly against England in, in Sunderland. And that was the best experience of my life, man.
0: Yeah. Well, just on that, I think your debut, right? You uh, put in a, a perler of a ball and hit Eric Dyer's head in for an own goal. So you had an assist <laughs> yeah. on your debut. Yeah. Uh, we lost we lost yeah. 2-1 though, right? But you had an assist. 2-1
1: to England. Exactly. And I was meant, I was planned to go just for the like five days training. Uh, if I play, I play. If not, that was it. And then the boys were flying back to play Greece twice in uh, one in Sydney, one in Melbourne, right? Two friendly games. Uh, mate, it was the best experience of my life. Like I got in, I saw Mila Yeranak, I saw Tim Cahill, Mark Milligan, like Matt Mackay. You know, I saw Maddie Ryan, obviously who I know for a while, and. Some guys, mate, but when I saw Mile Yerenak and Mark Milligan, but like Mille is just like the guy that I look up to so much. Like yeah. he is, mate, mate, mile for me, Yerenak is, there's like, it's like Mile Yerenak and then like everyone else. <laughs> and then like, it's just like him. He's like, he's the pinnacle for me for like character, personality. Uh, the way he is as a footballer the way he holds himself as a leader as a captain like he's such a nice guy and like he's he's one of the few guys that I speak to very often Um, and he's a, a very very good guy you know he gives you the best advice and I love him to death man I think he's one of the, the greatest captains Australia's ever had in my opinion yeah in my opinion greatest captains that Australia's ever had man the guy literally almost single handedly put us in the World Cup in 2018 scoring three goals against Honduras you know <laughs> like. yeah all, yeah. I mean, all credit to Timmy for scoring goals against Syria. All credit to everyone else, you know. But, like, for me, Mille is, is Mille.
0: He's a special Damn. guy, man. He, he Kind of people forget that he captained Crystal Palace and Aston Villa, like, in the Premier League. Do you know? I, yeah, know he was, I know he was great for the Socceroos, but, like, I defy anyone to, like... I mean, you could count probably two or three people in Australian history that have captain. Maybe Lucas Neal. And I don't think... Yeah, there's, I, think I don't so. know if there's anyone else that's captained a Premier League maybe,
1: club. maybe, maybe. Maybe shorter
0: maybe, or, but they wouldn't have been like captains of the club. They would have been yeah, wearing the armband it could have been for like, like
1: a, games. Yeah, exactly, like Timmy would have worn it for Everton for some games and all that. Yeah, I'm sure
0: Viduca like did as well. Who,
1: exactly, like it wouldn't have been a guy who was like captain for like five years, bro. Like,
0: mental, you know what I mean? Like, mental.
1: Like, you don't understand how big that is. You know, like being, he's he's absolutely amazingly respected in, in in Palace from what I know and from what I hear from a lot of other people. Like. The guy's mm-hmm. like a god then, you know what I mean? And that's 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 a credit to him. Um, but back to the game, playing the the friendly and Ange puts me in. And I was meant to be there just for that. And after the game, you know, I was like really happy. Obviously, devastated we lost, but I was happy I got my debut. And Ange comes to me, mate, and I was like petrified of Ange. Like like one of the best coaches I've ever had. One of the best coaches I've ever had. And like Ange comes and is like uh, – you were meant to be here just for this game, you know, but I'm going to take you back to Sydney and Melbourne with us for the other two games. So I want to see more of you. And I was like, oh, really? That's massive, bro. And I, yeah. I didn't pack, bro. I, I literally packed for Oh, so you were
0: just today. going. So that was, that was like a uh, – they were straight from that game. They were coming back to Australia and you weren't going to be yes. part of that extension trip. Exactly.
1: I wasn't meant to be part of the extended trip back. So I literally had like a backpack and a pair of boots and I was like, oh, okay. And Joel Frame comes to me and he's like, oh, mate, we, we're we going to have to get you onto a flight with us but there's no like business class seats because the boys fly business, right, because long trips. And I was like, mate, I just put me on down with carriage. I couldn't care less. Like with luggage, <laughs> put me down there. I was like, mate, I, I was like, I'll take a boat if I have to as long as I get there. Like I couldn't care how I travel. Oh, and we man. got to the... the We got to the airport and um, I think one of the staff members was like, look, mate, take my seat, you know, because you're you're probably going to play and I'm not playing. I was like very grateful. It was my first time flying business class in a plane, bro. I was like, you can lie down here. You can like have free food, drinks, like chocolates. And I was like, wow,
0: you guys have the life, man. that's incredible, bro. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, And then I made my full debut in, in Sydney against Greece. And uh, we won one nil, and it was one of my most memorable and loving games that I ever played with the country, mate. I loved that game and I played really well. And I was like – that was basically like the start of me being part of the Socceroos and ever since then I've been called up into like every camp where I was fit and healthy, every camp. And even now, it's it's the best thing, mate. Once you get that phone call or that message, you know, coming into camp and you come there, it's just so relaxed, like – it's, it's so fun, bro. It's like a, like a band of brothers, bro. Like, everyone's, like, really friendly. Everyone's happy to see each other. And we're all from different, like, backgrounds. Like, you yeah, have Aziz, who's Turkish. I'm Serbian. you got Fran, who's Croatian. Hrustich who's Bosnian. Um, you got Boyle, who's Scottish. you got, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just a bunch of different guys. Awa who's from, from Africa. Um, who else is there that's, that's, like, of a different background? Oh, there's nah. heaps, man.
0: There's he- I think almost every single player has got a different background, bro. There's yeah. No- Do you know like what I mean? It,
1: but Everyone comes in and we're like all playing for Australia and we're all like happy and it's a really good environment. What Arnie's done now is is immaculate, mate, and, and to get us to the World Cup the way he did and the way the boys played these qualifiers is is, is really good and it's a, it's a testament to, to Arnie and what he's done and it shows that you know him being in the A-League and winning back-to-back titles in A League wasn't just like because of the team, but it was obviously because he's a really good coach and he's he's got good staff and good people around him. So it's a you know, it's it's really good. And I think that the national team at the moment is a really cool environment and that's something, you know, we all look forward to going into camps.
0: Wow, it's special, man, because I think a lot of people wrote the Socceroos off pretty early in the qualifications. Everyone's, everyone was naming, it's not the best Socceroos squad ever. It's not this, it's not that. And then look what's happened. I mean, you've qualified for the fifth World Cup in a row. And I always thought, I'm like, there must be a really good culture and environment in that squad um, for what you guys went through towards the latter stages of that qualifications. Um, yeah. It's got to obviously take something special for you guys to get through that because that was tough, man. And Socceroos, great Socceroos teams of the past haven't been able able to come through storms like that you know so um, I do want to I do want to ask you though before we talk about the upcoming World Cup and and pray that you're fit and healthy because no doubt you'll be there but um, you were fortunate enough to experience the 2018 World Cup in in Russia now for people like me and, and Braden here who don't get to be a soccer player at the World Cup uh, just tell me what that event is like and and how massive it is and obviously in preparation for another big one in in 2022 as well.
1: Look, I get goosebumps. Literally, I've got goosebumps. Like, I'm proper, like, because talking about a World Cup and things like that. And it's always hard to to explain. Like, you know when people say, oh, the world stands still, right, for a game, the world stands still um, for the World Cup final, the world stands still for a Champions League final. Mate, the World Cup is like, you just, once you land in the country where the World Cup is at, like even a little banner on like a light post gets you going like it's just like you touch down right you walk out of the plane and it's like welcome to Russia, World Cup two thousand and eighteen and you have like a lot of Russian people uh greeting you there with like um like local treats you know and things like that, and you just like you get into the car, you get into the sorry the bus, and then the bus takes away with the police and you the roads are all blocked and there's just like signs everywhere. Russia world cup, welcome to Kazan where we were staying. You get your own hotel, you get your own training ground, bro. And it's just like, this is all made for us to play football. And it's just like, why, why is this so big? Why is it so like, it's so good. It's so good, man. Right? It's, it's like, it's hard to explain. It's like, so it's, it's the best feeling man you walk into it like when on game days I was I was fortunate enough to be part of the squad I wasn't lucky enough to get on the pitch and play but you know to experience going there having a full stadium playing against France Denmark and, and Peru and just being able to say you went to a world cup is like it's like the best thing in the world man like
0: yeah bro that's special isn't it, it like you can so never take fun, that away yeah. from you you can never take that yeah, away you from can't,
1: you can you can't take it away you can't take that away it's like being at a world Cup and We played against the winner's France. They barely beat us by our fluky goal. Um,
0: I I said this actually just to a friend the other day, and it's kind of true with when Italy won the World Cup, but the Socceroos were the closest to beating France at the World Cup that they won in a sense. Exactly. Like if it wasn't that lucky chip that I don't know how it bounced under the crossbar and in from Pogba, we would have had a draw. We would have
1: drew. Yeah. And you know what I, I, I say now about the World Cup in Qatar? This might sound a bit like cocky and funny, but like you know what the World Cup curse is—the World Cup winners curse. Yeah, is. yeah,
0: they don't get out of the group the next time. Yeah, believe me. I'm... Right.
1: So, so basically, this this group stage for us is a battle between us Tunisia and Denmark. Who's going to get out of the group?
0: <laughs> 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 Do you know what though? It's everyone says because like you can't go past the team on paper with France, but it's so true. France either are in the World Cup final or they don't get out of the group. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like. You Right, nineteen ninety
1: eight they win the World Cup, right? Then two thousand and two everyone's like, Wow, Henri, Vieira, Trezeguet, Zidane, Petit, Bates, Destay, Taram, oh mate, Lizarazo, um, uh, Pires, blah blah like immaculate squad, right? The mm. one of the best footballing squad in the world. They didn't get out of the group. I'm pretty they sure they lost to
0: I'm pretty sure they lost yeah. to Senegal. It they lost been... to
1: Senegal. They didn't they yeah. didn't win a game, right? So they didn't get out of the group. Then you have Brazil in
0: 2006, final, No, not Brazil. Yeah. Oh, that France, a... oh, sorry, I was talking about.
1: Yeah. You have uh, Italy who who didn't get out of the group in, in 2014. Uh, I yeah. oh, didn't even make it. Well, they didn't get out of the group. Yeah, didn't get out of the group. They were New Zealand's group, weren't they?
0: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, they were. Yeah, they so had like th- That's when New Zealand had like three draws or something.
1: Yeah. yeah, and then you have Germany in 2018 who don't get out of a group, who get beat by Korea, Mexico, and, and, and Egypt, or, or who was in their group, I'm not sure. So, it's like, I'm like, I'm pretty confident we're going to beat France, right? So, I'm
0: pretty confident. <laughs> oh, you've heard it here, mate, the Unlaced podcast, an exclusive. We're, we're coming for France, bro. Jesus. Uh, I love the confidence, I man. Will-
1: I will actually laugh my head off if we beat France and they don't get out of the group. Uh, be believe
0: like, oh, me, this oh. clip, this clip of now will be circulating like no tomorrow, the next morning. That's for sure. So <laughs> this,
1: this this will be this will be the best commercial and advertisement
0: for your podcast <laughs> uh, ever. Uh, ever. Ever, I'll be I'll be hammering it, bro. Uh, believe me, but uh, mate, I just want to just to round this out. Um... Obviously, you've you've given so much to the game and we've spoken about the international experience. But I do just want to talk through the UEFA Champions League. And I know you've played in the Europa League and you've won many titles, which will probably be more of a conversation for another time. But the UEFA Champions League. Now, I'm I'm happy to say that I've had a one Mabil and yourself, we've had two Champions League players on the podcast, which Champions League's the biggest, outside of the World Cup's the biggest competition in the world. It's all the best teams in Europe. Um, and you've been fortunate enough to experience it twice now across two seasons at, yep. at Red Star. So, again, bro, just talk me through Champions League nights, playing for Red Star Belgrade.
1: I will. I will, mate. But, like, to get a hype of the Champions League is, like, one thing. On Today, uh, 29th of August. We're in August, right? 29th of August, 2018, is we had our last qualifying game. For the Champions League, we played against Red Bull Salzburg in Salzburg and I ended up assisting the goal. I ended up assisting two goals, which ended up, uh, for us, being 2-2 and we ended up going qualifying for the Champions League on away goals, right? And so that happened on today's day. And then we got drawn into a group in 2018 with Liverpool, Napoli and Paris, which, I mean, like, basically <laughs> it's a group of death. Yeah. It's like, for these guys, it's a group of deaths. And for us, it's just like, God, it's... It's a massive, like, yeah. it's just
0: massive. It's massive
1: an honour. It's an honour. <laughs> yeah. So we get the draw and we're all, like, excited. We're obviously all thinking, like, all right, 4-0 here, 5-0 here, 4-0 here, and then we got to try to do something at home, right, to not get us embarrassed that much, try to keep at least a 2 or 3-0 if we can. So we played the first game against Napoli at home, and, bro, this is, like, I'm, when I say hype, like, I, I can send you clips of... Our stadium in these Champions League games, mate, it was like 65,000 people packed to the rafters. You couldn't drop like a pin. You couldn't drop a pin in the stadium. And like the choreography, the whole stadium's like colored. And like, you know, we're walking out and like, you got know, like Insigne, Mertens, like Mili, Kamsi, all these guys, you know, walking out. Koulibaly for Napoli. That's our the first great game. Napoli team that was. Bro, we're playing Champions League at home. Like, Napoli's on attack, 90 minutes. Like, they hit the bar, goalkeeper saves, post, bar. We end up drawing nil all, right? <laughs> with Napoli and we we split this group. Like, we turned the group on its head, right? Like, because we drew with Napoli, Liverpool beats Paris. Like, Liverpool's first, we're second and we're like, we're getting out of this group easy, lads. <laughs> Here we
0: go, lads. <laughs> Here we go, lads.
1: And, like best thing, right? Like, we're all, like, laughing ourselves, like, like listen to this, bro. Like, the levels, there's levels to this, right? Like, so after the game, like, one of the players that plays for Napoli, a central defender, played for Red Star, a Serbian guy, he comes in and, like, brings, like, a massive bag of, like, all the players' jerseys. Like, he brings, like, 30 jerseys of, like, all the players, right? And he's like, oh, the boys gave you these jerseys, obviously, to trade, and we're, like, and we're, like, taking our shirts to give it back to him to take it back to the championship. <laughs> like, you should run <laughs> and like, collect everyone's. Jersey. It's like, you can't give that. We need that for the next game. <laughs> <laughs> That's the difference, oh, huh? No. That's the levels. Oh, it was the funniest shit. And we we're like, come on, bro. It's a fucking jersey. Like, 120 bucks to jersey. Like, you can't
0: <laughs> You serious. can't buy that experience, bro. You need to give that no. away. No. Oh, fuck's sake.
1: I ended up. I ended up. uh, I ended up not giving my jersey. I kept my game jersey, and I ended up taking two jerseys from the Napoli players. Um, I ended up being in the Champions League best eleven of the round for the first round. I ended up being in the best eleven, so I was like, I think it was. uh, I've got a photo on my old phone. I don't have it here, but I think it was. You're gonna have to
0: send me. You're gonna have to send me that.
1: I will. I will. Uh, It's on my phone in Serbia, but I'll, I'll try find it. I'll try find it on my. On my phone, I'll send it to you. I think it was like me, was it me and Thiago Silva at the back? <laughs> with like, it was, it was, it was kind funny, of ridiculous. But I was like some world class players and just me from Red Star Belgrade. Ah, <laughs> oh, I love that. And, and then we end up playing at Anfield, and you know how everyone's like, "Oh, Anfield, immaculate atmosphere. Don't touch the sign." Blah blah blah. We ended up playing there. We got battered four 0 four one, or four 0 four 0 We got battered. Uh, it was Mane and Salah and Firmino having a laugh. You know, I was like. But it was- unbelievable experience to play at Anfield full Anfield Champions League nights no, the best thing in the world right but what's even better bro I was thinking today I'll have to tell you the story I was like we're playing in Paris right we're playing PSG Neymar Mbappé Di Maria Cavani Thiago Silva Marquinhos like it's just a fucking, it's, it's ridiculous bro like this squad is ridiculous and we're, we're we're doing proper warmups like possession sprints possession sprints warming up and like Paris is like Mbappé, Neymar, Di Maria and Cavani hitting free kicks for no joke about 15, 20 minutes in a warm-up, not one single sprint, not one single set of possession. And we're walking out of the tunnel in Paris. Neymar doesn't even have his shoelaces tied up. (laughs) Uh, it's, It's not alive, mate. It's the best thing, like... Like, it's a shit thing, but it's the best thing. And he megs me on that game. Like, he put the ball through my legs. I don't even know how he done. Like he's the, it's like, it's, 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 the best thing is it's on replay in, like, all the Champions League, all skills. Like, every year gets replayed somewhere, something. <laughs> oh, no.
0: <Tight. laughs> no.
1: So, and he didn't even have his shoelaces tied and the game starts and, like, after 10 minutes, the guys look on his knee tying his shoelaces and scores two free kicks from about 35 meters out like no joke we lose 6-1 we lose 6-1 the guys are of a different planet like there's there's levels to players and then there's like neymar Di maria like this, this is just like this is different class different level mate oh, and then we ended up playing liverpool we play liverpool at home like the great liverpool we beat liverpool 2-0 at home at home massive right i get in the best 11 again So that's three games in – four games in the Champions League, two times in the best 11, right? And I was like, wow, I'm like – I'm getting a big move. Yeah, Real Madrid is is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I'm like – I'm thinking like these big boys are coming knocking on the door in about three months. I'm just going (laughs) to get prepared. Where are we going? (laughs) I'm like talking to my brother. I'm like, so where are we going? Which club are we going to? Where do you want to go? Do you want to go somewhere? It's a bit warmer, Spain, Portugal, Italy. You know, what are we gonna do? You know, are we gonna go up somewhere? It's a bit cold in England. <laughs> and my like, just relax, you know. Wait, 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 you know. So that was that was ridiculous. And then the year following, we played Spurs, we played Bayern Munich, and again, that's like, you talk about number nine, Harry Kane, and, and Lewandowski is just it's killer, mate. Half a chance goal, yeah. we lost to Bayern three 0 uh, uh, away. Um, we lost at home. It was like 6-0. The guy's like German mentality, mate. Like it was 5-0. Thomas Müller comes in the 85th minute. He's like, come on. We're going to get one more. And I'm like, bro, it's 5-0, bro. Relax. Like, Just
0: it's different, different we're like, mentality. We're
1: dead. Like, we're dead, bro. They scored a six. The guy's celebrating his head off, right? I'm <laughs> like, bro, we're dead. Like, come on. Relax, bro. Like, uh, yeah. You earn yeah. a month or all of us earn in a year, bro. <laughs> <Like, laughs> That's levels to this game, son.
0: Oh, um, Miloš Degadek. Not bad from a boy from Westfields uh, in Sydney, huh? When we talk about yeah, the, not, bad. <laughs> not bad. at not all, bad. man. Br- Brushing shoulders it's with the greatest experience. in the game, man. Um,
1: Good experiences, yeah.
0: mate. I'm very, very proud to see where you're going, man. Very proud, to, um, very proud to see where you've gone as well. And obviously a big year ahead at Columbus Crew and the World Cup in Qatar, baby. It's going to be big and no doubt I'm, I'm excited to see you there and hoping that you're fit thank and healthy for, for the major tournament, bro. But um, thank you for coming on, bro. It's been a, been a long-awaited show. We're going to have to get over there and watch you play a game, no doubt.
1: Thank you mate and um, it's a pleasure to be on your show and obviously you and, and all your crew there are invited to, to, to be anywhere where I, whether I stay here or go elsewhere you guys are invited to be my guest for, for a while and then come watch some games and uh, when next time I'm in Australia obviously <clears throat> we play New Zealand I think next month in, in Brisbane if I'm not wrong if we can if we can organize that I'd love to have you guys come up and watch the game and then and, and sit down and have a coffee.
0: Absolutely, bro. We'll probably be there, no doubt, man. But thank you so much, man. I know it's nighttime there, so I'll let you go. But um, oh,
1: good, mate. I'm not in.
0: I'm Watching not nothing <laughs> TV. <to laughs> <what you> <laughs> oh, good, bro. Good. Well, I'll speak to you soon, brother. We're gonna have to get you back on the show for sure, no doubt.
1: I'd love to be back on, mate. I love having the chat, and um, it's obviously good to catch up with people that I, that I know and that I respect. So, so thank you for having me.
0: Are you a podcaster?